Welcome to Supporting the Spectrum, the Thompson Center's podcast series on all things autism. We aim to bring you the most up-to-date information on autism research, services, and supports. I'm Gina Randolph, faculty in the Special Education Department at the University of Missouri and part of the Training and Education Division at the Thompson Center. With me today to talk about constipation challenges of children with autism is Shauna Shelton, registered nurse and nurse clinician at the Thompson Center. I have to admit I would have never guessed that I'd be recording myself talking about constipation, but here we are. Start us off, Shauna. Why are we talking about constipation, and what exactly does it mean when we're referring to constipation? Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. Constipation is one of those things that you probably don't think about as having an impact of any patient, but it can cause a huge impact in just lots of things. So constipation for children with autism happens about six to eight times more so than a typically developing child. And when we refer to constipation, it's really not having a stool for more than three days per week. If there's pain or trouble passing stools, so actually having a bowel movement or just having really hard stools that are just hard to pass. I had just kind of naturally assumed that the challenges were just tied in with maybe the child not being able to communicate or some other issues, but not really understanding that the rate was really that much higher. Yeah, and some of it is sensory. So a lot of kids we know have some sensory issues, and that's textural, that's pain tolerance, that's just motility. I mean, basic medical or physical motility in their gut is a little bit different, which are also caused by a lot of different things in their daily routines. What are some of the other causes, and are those different for children with autism? Most of the causes that we see or that are reported from families, kids with autism have very limited dietary likes and dislikes, and so they they are lacking fluid intake, fiber intake, They only have certain food groups that they eat, and we all know that certain foods help promote good gut health, and some kind of back things up a little bit. Also, with any changes in their routine can cause disruption just for them emotionally and clearly physically. And then a lot of our kids are also on medications for behavioral things or ADHD that kind of are comorbidities of an autism diagnosis. And We all know that there are lots of side effects that come with some of these medications, and constipation is definitely one of the bigger ones. And then also just the idea of trying to toilet train a child in general, but especially those with autism, there's a lot of different components to that that can cause them to purposefully hold stool and then in turn cause constipation. All of that makes sense. Just a side note to our listeners, we do have... Two other podcasts that may be of interest to you. If you are having challenges with your child regarding their diet, we have an episode on picky eating and how to kind of set up routines and to work through some of those challenges. And then also if just toilet training in general is a challenge, we also have an episode that is focused on toilet training children with autism. Yeah, those Um, will be great to listen to. Before we get into treatment, can you talk a little bit why it's so important to have it treated and in what ways constipation can have a larger impact on a life? Yeah, absolutely. I think first of all is recognizing that one of the problems could be constipation. I think sometimes we overlook the simple things with some of our kids and constipation. I mean, if in general, if you think about if you don't have a bowel movement for several days, it's very uncomfortable. Your body is set up to pass a stool pretty much daily 
But, and so if you do not do that for several days, it can cause stomach pain. If you're trying to rest and your stomach hurts, you're not going to sleep well. If you're in pain, you're going to have behavioral issues, just so many things. So it's really important to figure out if that is something that's impacting the child with all the symptoms that you might be seeing. And the impact's even greater than that because you're talking about the child impact. But if you have a child going through that, then the impact on the family is something that's there as well. Correct. And and constipation doesn't just happen at home. It happens in every environment. So it can cause issues at school. It can cause issues at daycare. So it really is one of those things that really can impact every kind, like all the different aspects in a daily routine for a patient. And like you said, the family (laughs) and the teachers and just every environment. So as you're talking about this, I'm really thinking about it kind of in in kind of two prongs here. So there's, as you said, like everyone kind of goes through a a time where this is challenging. And so it might be this short-term thing, just something that's happening for a little bit. It's not common. It's just happening right now when we want to get past this. Or there might be kids that this is chronic. This is just continually happening. And so let's start with, this is kind of a short-term thing. Can you talk a little bit about what those first steps are? What can a family try at home to remediate if it's a short-term problem before they need to go seek out any medical support? Yeah, I think if you you know that constipation is kind of what you're dealing with, there are some at-home things you can try. Like Gina referenced, that's definitely there's that dietary component to it. Those are simple kind of changes you can try and implement at home. There's, you know, if your child only drinks milk or juices and juices can actually pull water out of your body as opposed to put water into it and some so water is like key when you're talking about diet you want a lot of water to kind of be in the system because it actually helps to keep that stool loose getting more fiber into the diet so more fruits and vegetables whole grains and then again too much dairy can actually cause your stool to be harder and not as easy to pass so those are all things that we definitely are like if you don't have those tools to know what that means reach out to a dietitian or you know somebody who can give you a little bit more information but there are lots of articles about how to add fiber into diets and stuff like that. The other thing is, I think just working on, this is not an easy or a short-term plan, but bowel training, which sounds silly. And I've done talks about bowel training. And it's, it's literally just a step-by-step, sometimes day-by-day, sometimes hour-by-hour process of trying to get your child who has autism to train their body so that bowel movements are happening at the same time at the same place every day and again this is a long process for most but it is something you can try at home so that you're not having to start a medicine or you know go to a specialist those are those are probably the top two is diet changes and then working on just bowel training so when you say bowel training is this tied in with setting up those routines that you had talked about earlier absolutely so when we travel I just for kind of some scenarios when you travel you eat differently your schedule is different so you just think about keeping you know if you every day you sat on this on the toilet at 8 a.m and you know you've trained yourself that you know you're going to sit there and you might sit there for 10 minutes or but your body becomes trained to know that at that time every day and it sounds like wow, I have that much control on my body, but you really do because you set your body up to kind of know what it feels like when you need to go. And, 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 you know, it's important to act on the urges right away. A lot of our kids with autism have focus issues. They get very stuck in what they're doing. So 
removing them from that and continuing every day at 3 p.m. after they get off the bus, they sit on the toilet for five minutes. Or So it really is a very structured and scheduled thing, but your body eventually kind of becomes in tune to that. And even children with autism, they're smart. They're, you know, they, you might think that they are not going to get it, but really it's, it's part of that, just that process of being habitual with things you're doing and that very structured routine and what, which we know kids with autism love and thrive on routine. So let's move on to kids who have this as more of a ongoing or chronic challenge. What are the treatments that you recommend for that? Yeah, the chronic issue is is usually what we see. We don't see a lot of acute constipation with our kiddos, unfortunately. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it is definitely working with your diet, and that's a kind of a long-term thing because a lot of kids with autism are very, very picky eaters. So that is like a gradual thing of introducing foods or getting them to kind of partake in that more liquids, more fibers, things like that. Usually with our chronic kids, we refer to gastroenterology, who are the folks that are very well specialized in bowels and and gastric movement and things like that. So they're probably the people we refer to most often. Primary care physicians definitely can manage constipation, but sometimes, just as a side note, constipation can actually look differently. So there's kind of like three different levels if you want to look at it that way of constipation. The hard stool or the trouble passing stool is usually the first one, but sometimes the constipation has been ongoing and it can cause something called impaction. And impaction is a much harder thing and typically does not get resolved at home. It's where the stool kind of impacts in your bowels where you cannot pass it. It's almost impassable. And therefore there's usually like intervention that needs to happen with going to the hospital and getting what we call a clean out, which is is just kind of like an enema or something like that. So I think it's important to know how extreme the constipation is, especially with our chronic kids. They sometimes, and not everybody with constipation will have impaction. It just depends on how significant that is. The other tier is usually after impaction happens. We this this will be fun to talk about, Gina. Is we we talk about skid marks and underwear, but what that essentially is showing us is that there's loose stool that's leaking around that impacted stool, and that is also something that would need intervention. So I just when we talk about chronic, those are things you know that don't feel bad if your child doesn't poop after a while. It's not usually your fault. They probably should go and see somebody, and that's where that gastroenterologist comes into play. It's you know, and it's hard to know, but I I will tell you that the last two impaction and what's called encopresis that skid mark are more rare than common. It's more just that constipation. So I don't want anybody to think that every time they get constipation, they will have to deal with those other things. So, Are there additional considerations when treating children with autism? Yeah, I think as a nurse that works with a lot of our families, the one thing I always try to encourage families is every child is different. So I think it's very important to, first of all, as parents, give yourself some grace. This is a journey. It's not a it's not a change in a day. It's definitely a journey when it comes to that. Knowing your child definitely is helpful and all parents seem to know their kids, but every child is different. So some forms of treatment are going to work and some forms aren't. With children with autism because they have those other issues of sensory and easily distracted or just fear of toileting, those are something that can be really hard to manage. But I think it's just, it is a journey. It's not a one-time thing, but it's definitely use your resources that are out there. And that's 
maybe a parent mentor that you know has a child with autism and has also, you know, dealt with constipation, your primary care physician, if, if they, every primary care physician has heard constipation, so they're going to know, so use them. But I definitely think you have those challenges for children with autism because they have those other things. So it's, it's definitely something that'll be a step-by-step process, but there is treatment and there is help and there will be resolution if you keep going with what you've been taught and learned. And you just listed a number of great people who can be resources. Do you have other resources that you would recommend to families? I definitely think that if if you can get someone to refer you to a dietitian or a nutritionist, that is really key for a lot of our families because diet plays a huge part in just anybody. Uh, autism specifically because there's so much of that limited food acceptance or picky eating, but it's very important to kind of know what things you can try diet-wise that are just simple, you know, I say simple, but easy fixes that you can do at home in an environment that your child feels safe at. Autism Speaks, which is a national organization, has lots of toolkits. One of them is constipation, and it actually goes over a lot of the information I'm sharing with you today. Treatments, um, what to look for, what there's pictures of what should your stool look like, which I think it's really funny and a lot of kids really enjoy it because it it actually shows pictures of food and then relates it to what your stool should look like. But kids enjoy that. You know, I think that just having those resources and that toolkit available, like I said, the PCP, I think your primary care physician is a wonderful first resource because a lot of people don't have autism specialists that help manage their medical issues. But those resources are good. And of course, you know, you want to make sure that if you go online and look for resources that there's some evidence-based behind what you're looking at because that's super important because not every treatment, quote-unquote, out there will work for for constipation. Wonderful advice. And Shauna, thank you. This was definitely the most interesting podcast we've had to date. Thank you. Mm-hmm.